Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, one and all, to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and with me today is Scott Harkey, Global Payments Lead at Level. .io. How you doing, Scott? Hey, Alan. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, what is Level.io and what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah. So Level is a, a full-service IT technology consulting firm. Um, that's easy to say, but let me tell you a little bit about what it really means. Um, so we, we do a lot of implementation work, custom application development work, uh, integration work for um, sort of a wide range of clients, from financial services to some airlines, engineering companies. Not not so much sort of focused on a specific vertical as sort of the the technical expertise type work. Uh, so Scott, can you tell us a little bit about what practice areas Level has? Yeah, absolutely. So the practices are sort of the heart of how we organize our expertise. Uh, as, as I mentioned, we are a technology company sort of by design, but we also do some strategy work and really sort of lead with the practices. Today, we've got practices in payments, which is the one I run. We have also have one in DevOps. We have one in cloud. We have one in product innovation. Uh, we do some work around sort of training and reselling for our, some of our partners. And our most recent practices are around publishing and then one in cloud. So we do a lot of cloud migration work. So, again, the practices are sort of where we combine the technical knowledge with the, the more business strategic expertise and really sort of a, one of our leading things as we push out in the market. Um, 
So we, uh, we, we focus in specific practice areas and we leverage the expertise, the sort of domain expertise in those areas to ultimately drive sort of some business strategy work we do, all rooted in sort of the technology understanding of those products and implementing the technology. So we, we sort of identify as a technology services company, although like I said, we do some strategy work as well. Oh, okay, so it'd be safe to say that you guys uh, work a lot with uh, in terms of emerging markets or companies that are be considered emerging markets or emerging technologies. Yeah, we do. Part of our sweet spot is we do work with a lot of sort of emerging market uh, customers, a lot of smaller companies in some cases, but then we also do a lot of work for the Fortune 100, 500 companies. And part of what we do in the market is sort of bringing some of those best practices from the smaller companies, the more innovative technologies that you see being deployed at companies like Netflix and others that have become famous for it, and, and really figuring out how to scale those and make those enterprise grade. So often the big enterprises have a hard time adopting new technology because it's just sort of, it's not an easy thing to take these new technologies and scale them in their environments. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the smaller companies don't really know how to take something and scale it either. So we are able to sort of blend the both of the two together and, and really, uh, you know, meet, ultimately meet the needs of our clients. Great. And and how, and how did you uh, get to this point? How, how did you, what's your background that brought you to this position of global payments? Yeah, so I actually spent about 15 years working in the banks. I was at Wells Fargo, or formerly First Union and then Wachovia, and then Wells Fargo for 10 years, and, and then ended up at Bank of America for about five years with a little startup in between the two that I, I took a shot at running myself. But 15 years in the banks, I spent those five years at Bank of America work, mostly working on digital payment products. So I was on the technology team and ran the sort of build and deployment of our digital payment technology efforts. And then ultimately came over to Level about three years ago to build out this payment practice. So Level was started by Chris Hart, who was a colleague of mine at Bank of America, uh, and John Espy, who had this sort of a past consulting background. And Chris, when he started the company, talked to me about coming over. It just wasn't right time for me personally. Uh, but after a couple of years of them sort of really getting things going, I think they had about 10 employees or so when I came over. And ultimately now we're at around 180 employees. So it's been a, a fast three years, been a fun three years, but really enjoys sort of focusing on payments and now more and more looking at a global perspective as to what the trends are in each market, how that varies from, you know, the U.S. to the U.K. to Singapore to Australia, uh, how regulation and other things impact that, what the local players are. So really starting to enjoy the global perspective and, and starting to understand and uh, bring that back to our clients a little bit to, to give them some insight into how other parts of the world are dealing with some of the problems they are. And I know you said you you guys have the your your business kind of split into different practices, different practice areas. Now, if um, if uh, now if I'm a, a potential client or, or a new client and I need and I'm coming into the payments area, what is the what is the the onboarding process for for that like in terms of in terms of how I would work with Level? Yeah, so there's usually a couple of different ways that that our clients sort of engage. The first is around sort of pure strategy. So we work with a number of banks, um, you know, large retail brands, other companies that are looking to, to ultimately make some decision in the payment space or that involves payments. So an example would be a lot of the banks right now are really interested in Zelle. And while the big banks have already sort of made their plans and are either, in a lot of cases, done the integration, the mid-tier and smaller banks are still trying to figure out what exactly they do and how they approach it. So 
that's sort of an example of a client that would come to us and say, hey, you know, we're thinking about Zelle. What do you guys think we should do? Um, and we would sort of work with them in more of a strategic capacity of saying, you know, let's learn more about your business. Let's learn about your customer base. Let's learn about sort of what, what drives you from a growth perspective. And then we can give you some advice or some guidance on, you know, the, the ways to approach it. Is it the right thing to do? What partners do you work with, et cetera? Uh, the second phase or the second type of engagement we have is more sort of the middle piece, which is architecture. So if you take that same scenario and say maybe a bank's already decided they want to work with Zelle or a retailer has already decided they want to switch over to Stripe to do their payment processing, they, they may need some help with exactly how they go about doing that. So what, what does the architecture actually look like? What systems do they use? What partners do they work with? What does the build look like? So we'll come in, lay out a target state architecture, you know, down to an application level to say this is the roles and responsibilities of various systems. This is how you should design out the flows. These are the partners you should work with, et cetera. The third and final is sort of the actual implementation side of things. And that, that's really the heart of the company and what we do is whether we did those first two phases or not, being able to come in and say, okay, here's what you want to do. We understand the business problem. We can apply the right set of technology tools, whether that's vendor products or building custom technology, and actually go in and implement it, getting up and running, and, and ultimately train the customer's team on how to operate it, how to use it, et cetera. So those are sort of the three buckets. It applies not just in payments, but really across the company. That's the three different ways we engage. But it's definitely true in the payment space as well that it, it falls into three buckets. Okay. So like you said, it would normally be strategy, architecture, implementation, or any I guess sometimes a combination of the three. Exactly. I sort of view those three as a continuum, right? Starting at the business level around strategy. Okay, let's take that strategy and make it real. Let's show you what an architecture looks like. And then now you're good on that. Let's actually get it built, right? Let's either build it for you. Let's do the integration into the vendor. Let's get it up and running. So, that, yep, those three are the Okay. And I know you said that it's been a kind of a whirlwind three years for you guys uh, over there at Level. How what how does it how do you think the next 12 to 24 months will look or 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 what's kind of the company roadmap for you guys at level yeah it's just continued growth so in those 3 years we've opened offices up all over the country we have offices in singapore and in australia we just made our first hire in the uk not long ago um we've got some some work we're looking at in china and in india so it, it's just continued growth um we continue to see the demand for what we're doing we we feel like we've got a pretty good sort of strategic positioning in the market against the some of the bigger, you know, consulting firms that are out there. Our our deep technical expertise and our focus on these key areas which we sort of define as practices really helps drive a, a message in the market of, you know, we're we're coming at this from a subject matter expertise perspective. We're not a company of career consultants. We're a company of practitioners who have come from other companies that have you know, used these tools, built these tools, know the sort of hard knocks from those experiences. And we find that really resonating in the market. So we're, we're just continuing to grow, continuing to hire, um, continuing to expand to new cities and new locations, and continuing to grow our teams at both existing clients and find that new stuff. So it's, it's a good time. And, and as subject matter experts, do you think that the, the types of projects that you guys are working on now, do you think that, that there'll be large shifts in the, in the way that those projects work in the next few years or, or just the, uh, the kinds of pro or just the kind of work period? Yeah, I do think one shift we've seen for sure, and, and it sort of just aligns with our growing capability is now that we're seeing uh, the ability and the demand to staff larger and larger teams, 
we've started to build out a more focused project slash program management capability. So we hired someone to run that uh, for the company a couple months ago, I guess it was, and really build out that team. We've started being able to offer that to our clients as part of a larger engagement where, you know, we have a team of five or 10 or 15 people there to also offer them the project governance around that with program management and other tools and capabilities. So that that's really sort of one of the things we've seen. We also are always looking at additional practice areas where, again, we find someone in our network or someone that we were really impressed by their knowledge or deep understanding in a field, um, really looking at would that be a good capability to build out here at Level? Do we have other expertise that surrounds that? Do we have customers that are looking for it? So I, I think those are probably the two biggest growth areas in terms of net new things and, and how we organize. Um, we've seen a lot of, again, interest partially just due to the size of the teams and the complexity of the projects on the program management work we're doing. And so we're excited to be able to offer that now. And there's a couple of new potential practice areas we've been looking at, but none sort of confirmed, just always always looking for something where we have expertise. We've sort of put that out there. And, and that also leads to, to something I was thinking about from something you said a little earlier about about how do, how do you figure out or how do you determine, is there a set system for how you determine what practice areas to open up? Because they're, you know, you know, because on one one sense you don't want to get overwhelmed, but in the other sense you want to make the absolute most out of the expertise you have sitting right there at level in terms of yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. That's something we talk about all the time. Is we want to be really sort of methodical about it to not sort of dilute the message and the brand. Um, you know, the practices and sort of the way they focus on things is a big part of how we differentiate ourselves, and so we want to be really strong, and then we roll them out. So I think it's it's really the combination of the things I mentioned before is the people and, and sort of the demand. So it always starts with the people. I mean, we're a company of, of people. You know, we, we sell people basically, right? We sell the knowledge people have. We sell the capabilities people have. As a consulting firm, we're 100% dependent on the smart people we have and their ability to sort of demonstrate that to, and, and you're using that knowledge to solve business problems for customers. So the, the first step is always finding the right person. Um, the second step is then making sure there's demand or there's a repeatable thing there that we can latch on to that's aligned to how we operate the rest of the company. So, you know, we're probably not going to go start a, you know, a, a cooking practice where we, we give out tips on how to build the, you know, most efficient kitchen. Um, it just doesn't make sense as it relates to the rest of the work we do. But if you were to think of something like a, you know, a e-commerce practice or a, a retail transformation practice of looking at how you know, retailers are moving from the physical to the, the digital and the implications of that and the technology sort of pieces behind that. That's something that would make a lot of sense. So, again, lining up, finding the right people with the right sort of market need and, and sort of client demand is really the lens uh, that we try to start with. The, the other thing I'd say, though, is, you know, we're, we're a company of, of people that are, are just hustling. And so, all the practices we have have started with one person. That one person has just grown the team. Uh, they've grown it through hiring. They've grown it through finding work. They've grown it through really just being out there and pushing the message of who we are and what we can do. So, um, you know, we're, we're not sort of big enough that we need to, to – that starting something means building a team of 100 people around it. We can start with one person and really grow it from there, and that's a lot of the model we've used so far. So you you allow the work to dictate what practices and kind of how large that practice needs to be. Yeah, follow the market, man. That's that's the smart way to do it, in my opinion, right? So we, we may think we know what's out there and what we can do, 
or, or what we can sell. But ultimately, it's the market that tells you what they need and, and you know, where the demand is. So we're very much a believer in, in follow the market. You know, we, we hear all the time from our existing clients about other needs they have. We try to summarize summarize those up into what are the trends, what are the things where we're not serving today that we could be, you know, what, what are the needs that are adjacent to existing capabilities, and really go at it that way to, to be sort of methodical about it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, that way you don't get overextended, you don't, you don't guess wrong as to what the market actually wants. You just let the market kind of tell you what it needs, and you just kind of fill that in. I think a lot of people maybe miss that point at some sometimes, you know, because they fall so in love with a product or service. Yeah, you know, that's, I, I think money does that, too, to be candid with you. I, I think when people go out and raise a lot of money, they then have to spend that money, and that sometimes leads to creating things just for the sake of creating something. I, I think one benefit of sort of bootstrapping a company is you, you know, you only do what you, you have the money to do. So you're sort of required to focus by design just because of, you know, limited resources and the need to use those in the best way possible. So it forces a little discipline around um, really looking at sort of where you expand and what you move into and making sure that there is actually a need for it. Um, you know, sometimes those bets take longer to play out than others. It's not to say everyone that we nail it, but certainly if I think if that's your guide, then you tend to, to be right more than wrong. Now, based on some of the projects that, that you've done in the past, what would you say, and, and I usually ask uh, a lot of people this type of question, just sort of, uh, just to kind of find out what goes on out there. But based on some of the projects that you've done in the past, what are some developments or, or some ideas that people had where it, it just seems like, well, no, something like that would be 20, 30 years away versus something you could actually accomplish in the next two to five years? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, there are a lot of things that I feel like are sort of overhyped. Um, now, whether they, they manifest in, you know, three to five years or it takes them 10 to 20, I'm not quite sure. There's probably, all of it's probably on some continuum, right? Of We'll see pieces of it in the next couple of years, but we might not see the real um, you know, revolutionary product or change until 10 to 20 years from now. But I think the two things that we all, you know, we probably hear the most hyped and that aren't, aren't sort of uh, concrete enough yet, at least in the, the usable use cases, are AI and machine learning um, and then blockchain to some degree. I think both of those, everybody wants to talk about machine learning and AI is a fantastic one of, you know, any company you talk about is going to say they're working on that, they have that, and then when you when you really talk to them about what it is they're doing, it's like, okay, yeah, you're doing some data analysis, you've got a couple of rule sets built, but it's not true AI or true machine learning, which is not super important. Um, it's just sort of a nit thing to pick at, but the point being those technologies often get sort of, or those words get used very regularly to describe things that are, are really more basic um, you know, computational exercises with data. So I think the real use cases around AI and machine learning are we're not going to see sort of fully evolve for another 10 years or so probably to where it's actually impact, impacting our lives. Um, I do think you'll see pieces of it in sort of back-end technologies that you, you may get the benefit from, but you're not necessarily sort of seeing the actual magic. But I, I think it's probably, you know, a ways away before we have some of those new magical experiences. I think with blockchain, it's probably somewhat similar and that there are use cases out there 
there are people building some real things, but a lot of it's more operational. A lot of it's more sort of mechanical back office things. I don't think the sort of, you know, sexier, more interesting use cases that people like to talk about or sort of envision are anywhere near a point of actually being sort of usable or deployable um, just to the complexity involved and, and actually, you know, putting these things out there and scaling them. I think it's it's sort of another one of those things that people can do proof of concepts and go off and do these things in a lab, and that's all great. The technology itself is not sort of that hard in the sense that, you know, the people that know how to do it, it's, it can be done. But the the productizing it, the scaling it, the, you know, creating ubiquity around something enough for it to be utilized, those are the pieces that I think are going to take quite a while to play out as we shift things over. So those would probably be my top two. Yeah, it, it really it does seem sometimes that maybe some individuals or some companies maybe get a little overexcited just talking about where they're intending to go. But then, like you said, when when you see where they actually are today, it's like, well, you're not quite you're not quite down the road yet, but you are on a, you have a good start kind of going. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a target, right? So you know, no no shame in sort of shooting for yeah. something down the road. But um, I think there's a tendency to overhype these things to over. Uh, attribute, you know, things you've built to saying it, again, saying it's machine learning or saying you have AI. Um, that's a pretty broad categorization of things right now, I think. So, um, you know, like I said, I think it's just the, the, the real interesting user experiences and sort of impact on, you know, our lives as just individuals out in the world. I think those are the pieces that are going to take some time. Right. I would definitely have to agree. It, it, all, it always comes back down to how does this affect my day-to-day -day life, the average person? Exactly. So, Scott, again, I want to thank you for coming in and speaking with us. And for my last question, I definitely want to let the list get the let the listeners know what's the best way for them to engage with Level or to contact Level. Yeah, absolutely. So, feel free to check out the website at level.io. It's l-e-v-v-e-l.io. Uh, you can also, if you have a payments-related item, you can email us at payments at level.io. And again, this is Scott Harkey. You can feel free to email me directly as well. So happy to talk to anyone, happy to, to share whatever knowledge we have and, and really just uh, sort of be good stewards of all the things we've learned and been taught over the years. And then uh, if there are other opportunities that people are interested in where we actually can help them build something, happy to talk about that too. So check us out, level.io. Okay, well, again, like I said, thank you, Scott, for coming in and giving us your time and expertise. And this has been the Future Tech Podcast. Great, thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, 
how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.